Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome to episode five of Talks with Kamal Din. Alhamdulillah, we made it through day nine. And today's episode will be different from previous episodes. On the pod tonight, I have with me a very special guest who would be discussing today's topics with us. Also, towards the end of the podcast, we would also be addressing some questions sent in by our listeners. And our guest today is Imam Abdullah. He refers to himself as a student of knowledge. And in his quest for knowledge, he has done several self-studies of famous Islamic scholars and classical works of the Salaf. He has studied Quran recitation from Sheikh Ahmed Abbas and the Arabic language in Cairo, Egypt. Currently, Imam Abdullah serves his community as an Imam in Masjid Al-Nur in London, United Kingdom. Assalamu alaikum, Imam Abdullah. Welcome to Talks with Kamal Din. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you, my brother? Very well. Thanks for asking. And um, yeah, thanks again for agreeing to come on the podcast. I'm sure I didn't do enough justice speaking on your wealth of Islamic knowledge. Pardon me for that. Uh, may Allah be praised and we, may we be put in our right places. Uh, my knowledge is just a fraction of uh, what it should be in terms of calling me imam and, and, and raising my status. We are all students and um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that, that for everyone who possesses knowledge, there's one who possesses more knowledge. Uh, so I'd always be a student, I'd always be holding a very small fraction of knowledge regardless of being called an imam and so on and so forth. So may Allah increase us in knowledge. Amen. And give us that knowledge which we do not know, inshallah. Mashallah, alhamdulillah. So how's Ramadan in London? I know you're fasting long hours like we do here in Canada. Yeah, Ramadan in London is, uh, as usual, the long hourly fast, maybe sometimes 16 uh, hours or so. Um, and for those who are fortunate to be working from home during this new uh, type of climate with uh, working from home because of this uh, disease or COVID or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Those those people will be more fortunate. It will be easier for them. But yeah. those who have to venture outside and work in the fast, uh, maybe struggling, maybe uh, facing more challenges. Um, funny enough, I, I, I was just contemplating Every Ramadan, the, the weather seems to get better and get hot. So it's, it's, it's as if the believers have an additional test yeah. and the non-believers are uh, further uh, practicing their, their munkar, which uh, doesn't make fast easier for us. Yeah. <laughs> because when you, go, when you go outside, it's like uh, any excuse to um, strip off the clothing, which for the fasting Muslim, especially the men, uh, it's, 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 you, you want to run back inside your house, yes. you know? Yes. So we ask a lot of refuge uh, in these situations, inshallah. But yeah, generally it's, it's good. Uh, it can be easy if you stay in your house, if you make a structured plan and, and, and benefit from the from this holy month, inshallah. Oh, that's super cool. Great. I'm happy to hear that. Um, before we get into the topic for today, let's start with you telling us about your journey to Islam. And uh, we can proceed. Um, my journey to Islam was um, slightly expected. I, I didn't know 
Islam before. Um, I embraced Islam at the age of 19, uh, which is uh, over 20 years ago now. And at the same time, um, you know, it wasn't much of a surprise to many people. Uh, my journey to Islam came about through an individual who um, was uh, my neighbor, actually. He committed uh, uh, a crime and he was um, praying to Allah. So I asked him, you know, why, why are you in this state? You know, he said that I've, I've did something wrong and, and I'm asking Allah to help me. So that's how the conversation started. I said, who is Allah? And then he said, God, of course, so which I've never referred to God as Allah. And uh, from that point, he, he was the first person to mention Allah. And he was the first person to make me realize that, you know, whenever, in his own words, he got in trouble, he called Allah and Allah would help him. So I thought, you know, this is someone who repeatedly broke his promise and repeatedly was helped, but yet never gave up calling this Allah. So I investigated from this matter and uh, I began questioning Muslims at the time, people that I recognized to be Muslims. And consequently, I led, it led to my Islam, which, uh, you know, never belittled a good deed. This, this person who, subhanAllah, was supplicating, asking Allah for goodness, was the, was the cause of my guidance, <laughs> you know. SubhanAllah. He, he, was in, he was in trouble and supplicating to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And by me questioning him, he, he, you know, unwillingly guided me by telling me that, of course, Allah is, is here to help me. But, you know, he was speaking to somebody who was quite inquisitive. And by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I embraced, I embraced Islam uh, not long after that. SubhanAllah. This is such a touching story and very lovely. And it also goes to show the um, all-forgiving mercy we have from Allah al-Ghafur. So uh, yes. thank you so much for that, Imam Abdullah. And we're moving forward now. would like to ask a question as regards uh, the second ashra of Ramadan, which is about seeking forgiveness from Allah. It's quite coincidental. We just spoke about um, Allah's forgiveness just now. So how do you advise we approach the next um, 10 days? Um, there's a little bit of a controversy here. Um, first of all, the hadith which mentions that the hadith of, uh, I think it's by Ibn Kuzama, uh, mentioned that the hadith uh, which mentioned that the Ramadan is breaking into three segments is it's not, it's not a founded uh, authentic hadith. Um, however, the wordings within it are sound. There is mercy, there is forgiveness, uh, and so on and so forth. So the thing is, the whole of Ramadan is a month of mercy, is a month of forgiveness. It's not just about approaching the second 10 days or the third segment of the 10 days. The entire month, Allah says that the whole Shah Ramadan that the whole month is the month where the Quran was revealed and it's a guidance from mankind. So our approach from the beginning to the end should be to seek forgiveness every night. Our approach from the beginning to the end should be to beseech Allah for our wrongdoings and not belittle any actions. There's a hadith of the Prophet 
that whoever stands in Ramadan praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with Iman and steadfastness seeking righteous reward will be forgiven. And then in another hadith, whoever stands Laylatul Qadr seeking forgiveness with Allah, with Iman and Istiqamah will be forgiven. And these are the the perceptions uh, or these are the views that a Muslim should have. Uh, a Muslim a Muslim should view the entire month, not just the segments that are broken, the first ten, the second ten and the third. The entire month, any day, every single day, every single opportunity in this in this month, every single hour, use it to beseech Allah for forgiveness and, and do not belittle any hour of Ramadan because the entire month is sacred. The moments are sacred, the seconds are sacred, and the Muslim should use it to make istighfar, uh, should use it to remember his sins, should use it to remember the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, وَمَا قَدُرُ اللَّهَ قَدْرِ That Allah has never, has not been given his due loftiness, his, his due qadr, his ability. If we knew the ability of Allah and his true essence of the word ability and the true greatness of Allah, if we knew that and we came to the right conclusion, Really and truly, our actions will change immediately. Exactly. But, but because of our human tendencies, we're weak. And, we, you know, we, we get involved in a lecture, maybe a, uh, a talk online or something, or come back from a Juma prayer. The iman is high. Then you indulge in worldly matters. Maybe you go to work, maybe around some colleagues, maybe around some friends. Then the iman starts to fizzle away. You're not in the zone of iman anymore. You're in the zone of forgetfulness. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the more someone secludes, seclude himself or herself with the book of Allah, contemplating, because Allah was, what does Allah want you to do in this month? Have you not contemplated on this Quran? Allah wants you to make what tadabbaru, contemplation. Yeah. Challenge this book. Look at it. Think of why these verses are uh, composed the way they are, and its impact on humanity and uh, your life to come, which is the real life. You know. So this is how we should approach the seconds, the days, the moments in Ramadan consistently throughout. And I speak on my behalf. Uh, this is how we should always look at it. Do not, do not separate the mercy and the forgiveness in different parts because the more you do that, it's like you're banking on the second, uh, you know, like you, you do the first half of the match, yes. the second half, yes. you know, here. So I, I'll, I'll increase it. No one will promise you tomorrow. Yes, that is true. That is use true. your seconds, use your moments, use your minutes. Exactly. Anytime. Plant, plant a seed in paradise. Yeah. Plant a tree in paradise. Say Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Wallahu Akbar. This is Ramadan. Increase in good deeds and 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 most of all, uh, be generous if if you are able to to do so. Inshallah. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Imam Abdullah. And just so there are no discrepancies, uh, you said the adit for the three segments of the holy month is a very weak narration. Correct. Yes, it's okay. a weak hadith. Yes. Okay, good. I'm just clarifying for the listeners. And um, also, secondly, as regards the Quran being a guidance for us, it's substantiated in Surah Al-Baqarah, the second verse. Eden of Surah al um, sorry. Zalika um, li kitabu la roiba fi yudan li Correct? No, no. The 
That's right, yeah. Okay. So, um, aside from seeking forgiveness for ourselves in this holy month, um, can we seek forgiveness for our loved ones who have passed away? Of course. We uh, beseech Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive them. When, when we, we do that from the moment somebody um, is deceased by, by offering their funeral prayer. So, um, that's the second question. Uh, unfortunately, due to the time difference and uh, I understand you're really busy so I'm just trying to move at a good pace so we don't take too much of your time um, yeah. as Allah gives us this grace to seek forgiveness from him in this holy month what lessons should we as Muslims apply to our day-to-day -day life in forgiving others as well um, I mean um Forgiveness is something which the believer should be ready to do. A believer is soft-hearted. A believer is the one who pardons people. A believer's heart is tender. You know, it's Allah mentions about the believers that they're those who who forgive others. Yeah. yeah. Um, if it's if it's something, or if you're indulging places where, as a believer, you constantly feel like you have to be forgiving people. Uh, due to the way they treat you or the way they've been uh, behaving towards you, then maybe you're in the wrong environment. Yeah? yeah. As a believer, forgive people, but do not be taken as a fool. Um, forgiveness is something virtuous in Islam. And at the same time, the balance is that is that the people who you are forgiven, you know that it's a genuine um, intent that they want it good for you, but people have shortcomings and people have difficulties in their characters and how they try to fight their own battles in their characteristics. So pardon people in, in what is natural to them. Maybe somebody's loud voice, maybe somebody is short-tempered. These might be natural to somebody. So once you understand the people you're forgiven, then make excuses for them. They are, they are going for a struggle. As for those who um, are showing you uh, hostility and a hostile situation, obviously you can forgive them, but you need to keep away from them. So forgiveness should come with some wisdom as well. Don't put yourself in situations where you're constantly forgiven and you're constantly being ridiculed because this religion is a, is, is a religion of honor as well. So honor yourself as a Muslim and pardon the believers and, and step away from those who do not give you a prosperous environment. Mashallah. Thank you so much. Um, before we get into questions from our listeners, I do have a question of mine, Imam Abdullah. Based on your experience working in the Islamic community and your knowledge of the deen, what would you say are the conflicts between culture and religion and how it manifests, how families are structured today? And do you have any recommendations um, to parents in the Islamic community as well? Um, culture and religion depends which culture you're coming from. Um, we have a variety of cultures in, in this beautiful religion. So they will come with different baggages. Um, you know, whether you're from South continent Asia, whether you're from Africa, whether you're from North America, the cultures that you're bringing will be different. But Allah has, has addressed this issue. Yeah, you who believe, do not follow the footsteps of Satan. Indeed, is an enemy to you. Another ayah Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "Enter Islam wholeheartedly and do not follow the footsteps of Satan." So it's like 
A very simple thing. If your culture is not in line with Islam, you dump it. Okay? Yeah. If the culture is not in line with Islam, you dump it. And until your culture is in line with Islam, then them things are permissible and them things there's nothing wrong with having a culture, there's nothing wrong with having different diverse backgrounds. After all, I mean, I said to tribes and nations to get to know each other. So, so culture is accepted, but so long as it doesn't contradict the Quran and Sunnah, and especially we're not calling to nationalism and we're being divided amongst ourselves as believers. Uh, the social ills of culture obviously can be devastating uh, from one culture to another. I don't want to pick on any particular one, but yeah. uh, the real remedy for all of this is obviously seeking knowledge and Quran and Sunnah uh, would, would give a light to that knowledge inshallah all right thank you so much for clearing the hair on that and finally questions from our listeners the first one is uh when we say we should be generous in this holy month does it apply to non-muslims the generosity we're talking about here generosity applies to all human beings yeah. um so long as if it's if it's particularly a non-muslim um you know be mindful that they are people who will appreciate it uh, and that you're not wasting your wealth on somebody who could benefit like a poor Muslim family, for example. You know, if you're giving it to non-Muslims because they're poor, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And they need help, they need sustenance, they're humans. If you're giving it to a non-Muslim who you think uh, is hostile towards you and and you want to soften his heart, that's also fine. You may be trying to give da'wah or invite them to Islam and say, look, we're not a religion of harshness and we're trying to be nice to you. These are all permissible reasons. Um, so it doesn't matter who you, you give your wealth to. The reward is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the focus should be more on those who are needy and and less to do with. Those are the people who you should give. And it doesn't matter which religion they fall into. Um, but if you have the opportunity or you come in contact or you, or you are fully aware that there's a Muslim family uh, who need it? Obviously, they they they, they have more priority than, than anybody else. But at the same time, your reward is not diminished because you help a fellow human being. Okay, thank you so much um, for answering that. We have another one. The second question is: uh, It is said that one of the good deeds that you benefit from after your death is to build a mosque. If you can't do it alone, that means if you are unable to um, single-handedly finance the mosque on your own and you contribute towards building a mosque does it still count um alhamdulillah alhamdulillah you know allah has given uh, a few members of society the ability to go out and build a mosque um, some people are wealthy and whoever builds a mosque the reward is that allah will build for them a palace in paradise now we expect and we obviously think good of allah Whoever contributes or the people who contribute together, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will compensate that building block, whether whether it took a hundred people to build a mosque or whether it took a thousand people to build a mosque, the rewards should be expected to be the same. Allah does not remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala increases the, the reward of the believer from ten to seven hundred times. Um, so this is this is something which in which we uh, expect that all the building structures all the building blocks to build a mosque would be rewarded equally uh, in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, only, only a few uh, fortunate people can single-handedly go out and build a mosque. And obviously, this would depend on the part of the world you're in and your ability 
the currency rate, etc. Yeah. All of these things are, are factors which uh, make these things possible. So, you know, if if, if it takes a hundred or a thousand people to build a mosque, then these people will be included together in the reward that they are the ones who, who built the mosque. As the Prophet says, whoever calls upon a good deed will have the same reward as the one who called upon a good deed. So if I was the one who called upon it, this, and I and I, uh, I established the, the community, uh, the community's wealth to build a mosque, all of those people will get a share of the same reward. And this is how Islam multiplies deeds and enjoins good and forbids the people from enjoying, uh, forbid it from people from doing evil in, oh. in, in public gatherings as well. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, unfortunately, we do have about eight minutes and 30 seconds to go and we still have four questions. So I'll be really quick. Um, the third one is, we while reciting the Quran, when we come across the name of the Holy Prophet, we pause and say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But when we come across the rest of the Prophet, do we pause? That's the rest of the, the other Prophets. Do we pause and say Ali Sallallahu Alaihi while reciting? Um, this is a question from one of our listeners in Nigeria. Okay. Um, yes, we say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. It is permissible to say this. It is recommended to say this. And it is okay to say this just once just in case you're going through the Qur'an and, and the Prophet is addressed uh, in the Qur'an. It's, it's permissible to say this one time. I have not um, read or come across any narrations that state we need to mention this about all the other Prophets. However, it's a virtuous thing to do because they are the Prophets are the uh, noble men who were sent to us and we must respect and honour them in high esteem. So if you're making it obligatory, that's something we need to look up. Uh, I, I, I don't think is obligatory. However, it is virtuous and most likely recommended to be always in virtuous actions, uh, such as this, uh, when you're mentioning, uh, for example, Isa alayhi salam or Musa alayhi salam, yes. etc. Um, thank you so much. And um, the next question is, what are the five question, questions Allah will ask us on, on the day of reckoning? Five questions, Bismillah wa salatu wa rasulullah. You'll be asked about your life before your death, your wealth before your poverty, your sickness before your ill health, your time before you're busy, and your wealth before your poverty. Did I say that already? Yes. So. Yeah, so. It's to do with two questions that have to do with time. Uh, sorry, two questions have to do with wealth. How, how you earned it and how you spent it. Yeah? Yes. And your wealth before your poverty. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. So these these things are... These hadith... This hadith is related uh, to us in, in, in a way whereby... I'm not sure the wording is regarding... They'll be asked about the day of judgment, but we're told to take care of these five things before these five things happen. Uh, in regards to the day of judgment itself, um, I'm not too sure where this comes from, to be honest, uh, if, I, if, I, if my memory serves me correctly. I do know the questions pertaining to the day of judgment are to do with wealth and how we earned it and how we spent it. Okay. Those two questions. Those two questions are, are are definitely valid. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Um, 
So uh, the next one is just clarifying. This will be a very quick question for the our sisters who are pregnant and uh, exempted, obviously, from fasting. Um, if they feel they need to, like if they feel they're up to it, can they fast or would they have to pay um, pay it back? That's the missed fast after the childbirth. I'm just clarifying. I know for menstruating women, they are exempted as a result of purity at the time. So um, they are unable to fast. So for pregnant ladies, uh, our pregnant sisters. Okay. Bismillah uh, In regards to this, the pregnant pregnant women or breastfeeding mothers, there's two there's two categories of people. If the woman is not affected by fasting and if fasting is not difficult, and she does she doesn't fear for the childbirth or she's in early age early stage of of pregnancy. Um, then it's not permissible for her not to fast. She must fast because if you're talking about someone who may be pregnant, but pregnant at what stage of pregnancy? Yeah. So if it's not, if it's not difficult and she doesn't fear for her child, then she should fast. It's an obligation. You must fast. Okay. However, if it's a woman who fears for herself, her health, um, her child, unborn child, and fasting is going to be difficult for her, then she's not allowed to fast. That be, that can become disliked. It's not allowed for her to fast. Okay. Could be it could be something because she must know that um, if, if if there's harm intended, for example, she's maybe she's breastfeeding already, maybe she's in late stage of pregnancy, depending on the situation, because the breastfeeding mothers and pregnant mothers, the, the, the ruling applies to them equally. Yes. So if fasting is going to be harmful, then don't then do not fast, uh, and Allah knows best, inshallah. Mashallah. Um, finally, Alhamdulillah, we are the last question now. Uh, this has to do with seeking knowledge. Uh, it, in the world we live in today, where we are dealing with information overload, could you give some tips on how to go about seeking knowledge of the Dean? And we have about two minutes to go now. Um, seeking knowledge of the Dean, in, in the best form of seeking knowledge, seek knowledge from those who lived upon it. Seek knowledge up, up, upon those who died upon it. Seek knowledge upon those who were martyred upon it. You know, uh, knowledge and the people who spoke with knowledge and the people who lived with knowledge are the people we should take knowledge from, not not the celebrity entertainers. Um, and I don't like to um, mention names. names yeah. we, we have a lot of celebrity imams and sheikhs and they're wonderful with the microphone, but they don't speak about the real issues. You know, yeah. so real knowledge should drive you towards Allah. Real knowledge should take you towards Allah. Real knowledge should elevate your status with Allah. Real knowledge should have you pardoning others, forgiving others, humbling yourself, and knowing that you and Allah is everything that matters in this world. And, and real knowledge is knowing that tomorrow, everything that matters is I'm going to stand in front of Allah and I'll be accounted for my actions. So that's what real knowledge does to you. So take it from those who lived it, take it from those who sacrificed their lives for it. And, uh, you know, we like to say that we have the opportunity to, you know, uh, search the internet, lectures, everything. Knowledge is at our hand. Anyone that doesn't seek knowledge or have access to it these days is full of excuses and they are lazy. So Allah has made this uh, this 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 ummah ummah vast opportunity and we must take uh, the advantage of that inshallah. Thank you so much, Imam Abdullah. I want to thank you for taking the time out out of your busy schedule today to address some of our questions. It's actually been a pleasure. 
um, speaking with you tonight. I also want to say that Hala accepts all your ibadah this um, holy month and every other prayer you say oh, after the holy month. And all the Ummah as well. Thank you so much. I also want to thank all my listeners um, for taking the time to listen to my podcast. And Alhamdulillah for today, for tonight and the rest of the days in this blessed holy month. And uh, let's remember everyone in our duas, may all our ibadahs be accepted. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us guidance to recognize that which is right and follow it. And to recognize that which is wrong and stay away from it. Thank you once more. Um, Imam Abdullah, may Allah be with you. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us tonight. Thank you so much. All right.